Welcome. This is Anastasia Glova bringing you the Cato Daily Podcast. Be sure to log on to our website, www.cato.org, for a full archive of our podcast as well as many other audio offerings. In Yale political science professor Jacob Hacker's new book, The Great Risk Shift, a decidedly gloomy picture of terrifying economic instability emerges. But Brink Lindsay, vice president for research at the Cato Institute, isn't buying it. His recent op-ed in the Wall Street Journal argues that increased risk has led to increased economic dynamism and incontrovertibly better living standards for Americans across the board. Many Americans are voicing concerns about decreased financial security as a result of the push toward personal responsibility. Are these concerns valid? Well, I'm not sure that many Americans are concerned about declining security as a result of a push towards personal responsibility. I think that is a concern of particular left-of-center policy wonks and ideologues. I think Americans do tend to be concerned about financial security. Perceptions of insecurity are cyclical. So during boom times, people feel more secured. During more economically tenuous times, they feel less secure. There is an overall trend, I think, beyond cycles, but an overall trend over a period of decades towards a kind of increasing tempo of economic life, more intense competition, more churn in companies in the Fortune 500, more job churn as layoff rates, at least for certain kinds of workers, have gone up over time. And that can lead to real feelings of insecurity. And that, I think, is what people like Jacob Hacker, who are complaining about rising insecurity, are focusing on. Well, that's right. Hacker notes in his book that bankruptcy and foreclosure rates are on the rise. More Americans are living without health insurance and more people than ever before fear for their jobs. Where is the silver lining? For some people, economic risks have gone up, but you can't look at economic risks without looking at the associated rewards. And so the silver lining is that the vast majority of Americans are much better off today than they were a few decades ago when this trend towards rising volatility began. I think you can compare it to an airplane flying at 30,000 feet and experiencing turbulence. There's lots of bouncing up and down, and maybe the bouncing up and down is more today than it was in yesteryear. But if the plane is flying right above the surface of the ground and there's just a little bit of volatility, then you can have crashes. So I think you can compare the volatility of today to air turbulence, which is unpleasant and unsettling, but is a very different thing from plunging into poverty, from crashing the plane, which much more people experienced in previous years. In what aspects have the lives of Americans improved in the last quarter century? Across a whole range of indicators of material welfare, starting with life expectancy, death rates, infant mortality rates, workplace accident rates, we're living longer and healthier than ever before. We have more stuff than ever before. Even though foreclosure rates may be going up, home ownership rates are at historical highs, and homes today are on an average about 60% bigger than new homes from 30, 35 years ago. Inside those homes is more stuff than ever before. If you look at all the kinds of major appliances, for many major appliances, more people under the poverty line today have those appliances than all Americans did back in the early 1970s. A New York Times article last month reported that real wages aren't matching the rise in productivity of the average worker. In fact, real wages have actually been declining as a share of GDP. What's going on? As to wages as a percentage of GDP, that level has been fairly constant for a period of many decades. It fluctuates. We're in a period of downward fluctuation. Whether that is just a cyclical or a part of some ongoing long-term trend, nobody knows right now. But the fluctuation, I don't think, is particularly significant in the context of the historical rate of fluctuation. And 
bottom line, I don't think there is a particular carved in stone fair share of labor in GDP. What matters is whether ordinary people's material welfare is improving or not. As to the relationship between wage growth and productivity growth, economic theory predicts that employee compensation will rise with productivity. But employee compensation consists not only of cash wages, but also of fringe benefits. For example, health care, health insurance provided by employers. And so you can't just look at wages and say that they aren't tracking with productivity. You have to look at overall compensation, which includes the increasing cost of health care. Is there room for a serious debate about the increased risk that Americans have taken on and what to do about it? Absolutely. Of course, there are certain risks that have increased over time, and they are the appropriate subject for public policy concern. There are ways in which we can improve workers' sense of personal security. One important way is to change our health care financing system, which is a mess, and Hacker and others are right to point out that it is a mess. They may have the wrong solution, but they at least got the diagnosis right. In particular, having your health insurance tied to your job is a kind of rigidity that can exacerbate insecurity. If you lose your job, you also lose your health insurance. You don't lose your life insurance or your car insurance. Why is health insurance tied to the job? It doesn't make any sense. It's an artifact of public policy that ought to be revisited. So there are many things that we can do to change public policy in ways that it is currently heightening insecurity. But the most important thing we can do is maintain overall policies that promote broad-based economic growth, because ultimately, the best way for people to deal with the ups and downs of economic life is to have more resources of their own to be able to cope with the inevitable uncertainties of a fast-moving, dynamic economy. If you enjoyed this program, consider subscribing to Cato Audio, a dynamic 60-minute monthly recording that brings you inside the Cato Institute for highlights from exceptional, one-of-a-kind lectures and events on key issues of the day presented by nationally known scholars, authors, and political leaders. Cato Audio is available on our website as well as on iTunes and audible.com.